My fr- my friend Eva, also your friend, Eva. Sure. Mailed me a Christmas present, and uh, it was stolen from the vestibule where I live. This can happen really to anyone, even if it, it's not Eva sending the present. If you're a thief, this is a great time of year to be stealing presents. If you're not a thief, there is a way to get back at the thieves. Uh, Eric Birdo here has a tip. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a, an easy way to deter them. Um, I just cleaned up my dog's poop and put it in the box and set it out there. Sure enough, they came and got it. So had you you had had uh, packages taken and you you felt like I have to I have to get these guys. Yeah, I hate these. I, I hate them so much. Yeah. So what kind of package did you put the dog poop in? It was a uh, UPS or it was a USPS. Yeah, USPS package. And did you so did you take the time to sort of tape it up and make it look like it had, it, it was freshly delivered? Yeah, I, I wrote fake addresses on it, and I taped <laughs> it up and everything. And did you gift wrap the poop inside the UPS box? Um, I didn't gift wrap it. I just put, um, like, a napkin on the bottom and then on the top so they couldn't see it through, like, the crack. Oh, yeah. Did you put a card in the package with the poop in it? I did. I, I put a note in there. I put a note, and then I said, um, eat, you know, S-H-I-T, and then um, Merry Christmas, Steve. <laughs> this is such a great way to get back at someone stealing your package it it, but i i think about you don't you don't get to you just know that that they got to open it you did did you you don't get to actually see them open the package right that's that's the only downfall i mean i like i said i wasn't upset because all they got was a box of poop yeah Um, i was more excited but you know, I, I mean, besides just seeing them take it on the camera and knowing that there was poop in there was satisfying enough for me. So. Yeah. So you you set up a camera. Yes. I got I got four of them around my house. I, when I first moved in, somebody broke into my car, um, so that's when I went out and got them. And they work really good. Have you considered filling your car with dog poop in case it gets uh, broke, <laughs> broken into again? I think that what you did would be so satisfying, and I I wonder if you feel like the pain of the packages that got stolen has been exceeded by the joy at having done what you did. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is How to Do Everything. I'm Mike. And I'm Ian, and we should start the show by saying... uh, the calendars are gone, long gone. These are, if you didn't hear last week, we offered people a 2016 calendar. We don't need to tell people what is no longer available. It's not available anymore. However, we will have soon, we don't have it yet, we will have a PDF version that you can download yourselves and print out. It's great. It's got drawings by our artist in residence, Justin. Uh, you should download it. But that's your only option because the ones we bought are gone. They're gone. All of them are gone. So uh, we... We have right now, before we're sitting in front of these microphones, we've not actually talked about this. But uh, Mike earlier this week told me a story, which uh, I think actually contains a pretty good how to mm-hmm. if you're a parent out there. Oh. So, uh, Mike, I would like to ask you to tell the story of, of what you did when your children wanted a bedtime story. 
Right. And uh, you uh, you didn't really have anything, so. Well, that's a, it's a weakness of mine. My wife is very good at telling stories. She has a very rich imagination. I don't. But I do know the story of Top Gun very well. <laughs> so when I needed to tell my kids a story at bedtime, what I did was I recounted the story of Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. They were interested. Can I can I hear like actually how it sounded when so like you're in there your kids are in bed you say once upon a time there was a, a young a young navy pilot named Maverick and he was going to school to become a fighter pilot and uh, Maverick's problem was that he his dad was also a fighter pilot and he was very good and Maverick felt like he needed to live up to his dad's you know image his reputation how old are your kids again seven and eight <laughs> did they ask questions they did yeah they're very curious to know what happened to goose why he died what i thought about it then afterwards was that there are all these movies that i know about you know, movies that you that we all watch growing up and they occupy the space in our brain that's useless this is actually a great way to use those those memories of those movies like real genius there's another great movie with val kilmer in it that could be a good story at bedtime did, just to be clear did you you didn't say i'm going to tell you the story of the movie top gun no so someday they're going to see this movie top gun and they're going to feel like this feels familiar yeah. and it may actually increase their enjoyment of it like an old yeah. seeing an old friend that it's like seeing an old friend and dad was a fraud okay so after i made mike tell that story uh, to you into a microphone uh, he went home with his recording kit and uh, asked his kids about it what? do you guys remember when i told you the story about maverick oh yeah what do you remember about that story uh nothing um so the story was that maverick was oh, yeah, a i remember now what happened so Maverick was like a plane flyer, so he was sort of part of the army. Right. And he, his dad was like really, he was really good, and so he wanted to do exactly what he did. And then he had these two enemies, and um, so once they were out, um, like Russian planes came in, and then. Um, he was out with his two enemies and his um, pilot friend or something. Mm -hmm. What? Like the guy that was shooting on the other guy's plane, he died. Do you remember his name? No. There was, it was Goose. Oh, Goose. Right. And what happened to Goose? Um, when like they were flying down on, the, on parachutes, parachutes, they couldn't really get him and save him. Yeah. So he died. Do you remember what happened at the end of the story? They became friends. What do you think? Was that a good story or a bad story? A little weird story. A weird story? Because the Russians just like came right away. Yeah. Would you recommend that story to other people? Uh, yeah, if it had like a couple of different changes. One change that I think it could be was like um, having the father still living. Mm-hmm. And sort of like having him go away instead of just dying. Yeah. Anything else? No. 
Hey, Kirby, what can we help you with? I, I guess my question would just be how the saxophone player for the Saturday Night Live band uh, manages to play, um, you know, this long, roaring uh, sax solo every week and keep it interesting um, both for himself and the audience and his bandmates. Um, you know, the solo is such a, you're really putting yourself out there as a musician every week. Yeah, it's got to be kind of a like a Groundhog Day situation that, you know, like we think of musicians that they have this creative job, but the guy who does that, it's the same thing over and over forever. Well, yeah, and it's kind of interesting because it's it's, you know, it's a song... I mean, when is a solo uh, uh, just a part of the composition? You have the drum beat, you have the bass line, you have the sax solo. You know, it's sort of like this built-in compositional element to this song. Um, it's not a song that you can hum. It's not a song that you could sing to somebody who was unfamiliar with the song. Like The solo is kind of the song. But you raise an interesting point, which is that it is... It's an unusual theme song in that you can't really hum it. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's so recognizable. You've got, I mean, think about it. You've got, uh, it's, not, it's not The Simpsons. It's not Cheers. It's not Jeopardy. All those songs have been on for as long, and you can hum those songs. Saturday Night Live theme music is as recognizable, but it's all vibe. I mean, this song is nothing but a vibe. And how yeah. you identify that vibe, I mean, now... I would I would seriously imagine that there's people in the studio who are making, you know, buffer music and they're like, oh, you know, we just really need that like Saturday Night Live band vibe. And it's like, you mean like a G Smith thing? It's like, no, nah, no, nah, like the sax guy, the sax guy, like that vibe, that kind of like, you know, like John Larkett kind of, you know, vibe to it where you can really you can really hear, you know, Don Pardo rest in peace like hollering out the names of, you know, a litany of actors and actresses. Yeah. Can you hum it? Um, you know, I feel like there's like phrases in it that like, like, like you know, these sort of like. There's kind of motifs that he works on, but I wouldn't say that there's any, you know, like. No, I can't. I can't hum it. But again, I have, I have. You know, if if I were to go for Halloween as the SNL sax solo, I feel like I could pull it off. Like people would be able to. Like, are you doing the sax thing from SNL? And be like, totally. Like that's totally what my costume is. Well, Kirby, we're gonna look into this. Cool. Thanks a bunch, guys. Let me know what you find out. All right, we are gonna go right to the source on this, but uh, let's uh, let's hear the the theme theme now. What you're hearing there is Lenny Pickett playing the tenor saxophone. He's the SNL band's musical director. He's the guy you see on TV during the opening monologue. So you, you've been with the band since 1985. Is that right, Lenny? Mm-hmm. This week is my 600th show in a row. I haven't missed one yet. Wow, you're the Iron Man of the SNL band. I get the Cal Ripken Award. <laughs> well done. So, so you've played that theme... 599 times. Well, actually more because dress rehearsal, too, so double that. Plus, we rehearse it with the, with the host um, 
earlier in the day. So it gets done three times a week, basically. So at this point, now that you've played it, you know, more, I guess, 1,800 times, mm-hmm. uh, do, is it just automatic? Well, no. We for for one thing we've we've rearranged it a number of times it's still um you know i hope that that we um play it spontaneously each time we do it and i th- i th- actually think we do that it's um the i mean the musicians in the band are amazing and there's and many of them are jazz musicians and and used to spontaneous performance and i think they you know as a group we approach it with a kind of um um, you know, brand new look at it each each time. We never play exactly the same thing each time. Well, Lenny, you're about to do it for the 600th time. I wonder, do you remember what it felt like the the first time? Yeah, scary. <laughs> it's really scary because <laughs> it's it's really live television. Um, yeah. The first the first time, I was really really nervous. Um, I do remember it, but I'm not nervous anymore been happening a long time you've had um, has you get, practice but you know we do a lot of rehearsing a lot of preparing and it's largely goes on without a hitch so um i'm not not nervous anymore can you please throw in some sort of hitch for the 600th show that we can watch for <laughs> this saturday <laughs> i'd rather not right. no no hitches i shouldn't even have told <laughs> mentioned the, the, the 600th time um it's just it's just a, a you know weird fact. Um, well, Lenny, this has been great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This thing we've been talking about, that the Saturday Night Live theme is instantly recognizable to everyone, but no one can hum it. It's it, impossible to hum. It, it's true, and that's so weird. So we're going to test this out. Uh, we're sending out our producer, Nadia, and Candace, our intern, and they're going to see if they can find somebody who can hum the Saturday Night Live theme. From New York, it's Saturday night. And I can't. What about you? Do you think you could hum the theme song to? You know I've been listening to it since and watching it since 1975, and I can't. Hum it a little anyway. I don't know how it goes. You said Saturday Night Live? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the song. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I don't even know what it is. You guys go try. I don't know. God, I watch it every Saturday night. But I can't remember how it goes. I can't think of the tune though. How does the tune go? Can you guys give it a try? I don't. I can't remember it, but if I'm reminded, I probably could. If you have a question for us, you can email us at howto at npr.org, or you can call our toll-free line, 1-800-GAG-AXE-5. We won't answer the phone, but uh, you can leave a voicemail like this person did. This is Lois, L-O-I-S, Lane, L-A-N-E, 2-200-06. Please call us as soon as possible. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. So there you go. Even if you have... Even if you're friends with Superman, we are still willing to help you out. Yes. I, you should probably go to him for uh, any of your problems. He has superpowers. We, um, we both have glasses. 
Loki. Well, if we were to take them off, maybe it would reveal that I can't see that yeah. far. I can't see that far away. Yeah, I can still see, but I don't look smart. Now's the part of our show where we want to tell you about our sponsors. And uh, this week's show is sponsored by NatureBox.com. At NatureBox.com, they understand that your life is busy and there's not always time to get to the store. NatureBox makes it easy to start snacking smarter. Com. Choose from over 100 tasty options like sriracha roasted cashews and French toast granola or fill out your snack profile and get personalized recommendations delivered right to your door. Spend more time doing what you love and less time trying to find parking. Dot com. Visit naturebox.com slash everything and get 50% off your first box now. Dot edu. Support for this show also comes from stamps.com. Com. We want you to know that with the holidays fast approaching, the post office is getting busier by the minute. Avoid the hassle and use Stamps.com instead. Another alternative is just don't uh, get any presents for anyone. With Stamps.com, you can buy and print official U.S. postage for all your letters and packages using just your computer and printer. Sign up for Stamps.com and use the promo code EVERYTHING for a four-week trial and special offer, including postage and a digital scale. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone, and type in everything. Just type it all in. Last week, divers off the coast of Colombia found what may be the largest sunken treasure ever. This was a Spanish ship that sunk in 1708. And you realize this is, this is an actual job that a human being can have, sunken treasure finder. In the year 2015, that's a job available to you. On the line with us now is John Matera. He researches and finds sunken ships. John, so is it is it like in the movies where you pull up a treasure chest and open it up and it's full of jewels and gold coins? Well, usually not. Most most organic materials like wood ends up disappearing. Most of the time what you'll find is a fused encrusted clump of silver coins in the shape of a chest. Which is really pretty cool too, you know. Wow. <laughs> you know, the, the saltwater environment is not an area that's conducive to maintaining artifacts. You know, sooner or later they're all going to disappear. You know, so that we uh, we we try and, and and free the ocean from uh, inorganic materials that man carelessly left behind. <laughs> What's the coolest thing you found? Oh, I, we found some cool stuff. When I was a kid, I would have given like my left left leg to find an anchor. I'm sorry, cannon. And now I could I could show you where the 600 cannons. Wow. You, know, you drop down and you touch something that nobody's touched in 400 or 500 years. It's, it's virtually amazing. You know, and it, it's amazing when you bring something up and you know it belonged to somebody that that they had might have had this in their possession when they died. You know, it, the the bad thing about what I do is we 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 dive where our fellow man, you know, has met you know tragic end. You know, we dive among ghosts. That's really what. What we do, we on one shipwreck, 350 people died. The next, a thousand people died. You know, so it's you have to understand that you're 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 diving among the remnants of people long long gone. So you have to be very careful and uh, of the things you do and and how you take care of and uh, try not to to bother their uh, their their last resting place. Has that happened where you've been down and you've you've found some artifacts, but then you also will find the remains of people and and have to kind of leave stuff like great treasure yeah, it, behind. It, I guess last year we were digging in a beautiful place and there was a 
It was a Spanish guy that sunk in 1724, and uh, we're pulling up artifacts after artifacts, and and we're pulling up these onion bottles, which are like onion-shaped wine bottles that are spectacular, gorgeous. And we're pulling up probably the best wine bottle, onion bottles in existence today because of the soft mud. They were like packed perfectly, and you still find remnants of straw around them when they were packed in the cases. And I'm digging through this hole, and it's not a lot of visibility. I'm from New York, so I'm used to not a lot of visibility. And and uh, I find an onion bottle, and I start working out my fingers, and it pops out in my hand, and I realize it wasn't an onion bottle at all. It was it was uh, somebody's it was a skull of somebody who passed away on the ship. You know, so you take it and you put it back as reverent as you can. You know, close close over uh, the the sediment over the top, and you know, you know if they found any respite in this place in 224 years, it's not my place to disturb it. So. Kind of like leave them where they are. What What's the um? You, you you clearly do a lot of research before you even head to oh, a, yeah. to a site. What's one time that you've been surprised by something you found down there? Oh, surprise! All, all the time we get surprised. Um, uh, we're looking for a shipwreck right now called the San Miguel. Right, I say right now we've been looking for for twelve years, and when it when we find it, it'll be the the richest. The oldest and probably the richest shipwreck in the New World, and uh, and we've been on this trail forever, and uh, we started in this place, and that's where we have our boat, and we're working, and and uh, and then we go out, we're, we're researching it on the coast, and we're all over the place looking for it, and don't you know, 14 years later, we're right back in the same exact place where we we start to find artifacts off of it, and and this April we're going to go out in earnest, and uh, and. Uh, and, and work it hard, and I think we're going to find it. I think the coolest thing, I, I, I digress from, your, from your, your question, but I think the coolest thing, in 2008, my partner and I, John Chatterton, found a, uh, a pirate ship. It was called the Golden Fleece, and all manner of stuff went down with this ship because it went down so fast, and I ended up pulling up a porridge bowl with half, somebody's half-eaten breakfast. It was like the coolest thing I, I think I could ever remember finding. It's so interesting hearing you you talk about the history of these these wrecks, and that I feel like this is a really crass question, but I am curious what what is the value of, of like uh, can you tell me the value of maybe the most uh, valuable um, shipwreck you've you've pulled up? Oh uh, well, you know that those numbers get bantered. It's not a, a bad question. Those numbers get bantered around, but they they throw around numbers like they say the the. Uh, the Atochi was worth six hundred million dollars, you know, and, and uh, the the San Miguel really would be twice that size. It was owned by the governor of Mexico, and and there's all stories of people finding gold buried in the sands up on the beaches, and uh, for forever, you know, gold. Uh, one one guy found a golden arm buried when he was he was digging up his house, digging up a foundation to put a, uh, an extension on his house. A golden arm? Yeah, a life size arm made out of gold. Now again. These were all treasures that were exploited from the Aztecs, you know, and we know what Montezuma, you know, he they did everything in gold. So I'm looking for the rest of the guy. Yeah. <laughs> you can get out the arm. I want the other five foot seven. Well, John, thanks so much for talking to us about this. Ah, oh, my pleasure. Anytime, guys. We got an email from Amber. Amber says she listens to How to Do Everything while taking her cat for a walk. Amber, these next 15 seconds are for you. I'm sorry, Amber, that we don't know your cat's name. Uh, I was actually thinking a great name for a cat would be uh, to name a cat The Weeknd. How so? How does it work? Hey, The Weeknd, let's go for a walk. 
still don't get how that's how that plays in any way. What do you mean? It's just a good name. It shouldn't the be the weekend. Yeah, it shouldn't just what there shouldn't just be one person. There shouldn't just be one person who gets to have that name. Oh, you know how it would work though is if um, you had a job, and you had the job so that you could pay for the lifestyle that your cat wants, and then you could play that song by Loverboy. Everybody's working for the weekend. Yeah. That's that's the musical connection that you have when I say I want to name the cat the weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't think there's any other musical connection you can make. Unless you name the cat Megan Trainer. Because you know I That does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? Well, I learned that one way you can get back at package thieves is to give them a package of poop. Yeah. I wonder if that would if if you were a thief, if that would be uh, you open that up, it's a sign that you've you've chosen a bad path. You've chosen a dark path. Maybe it's time to to move on. I feel like there's that's all that's all true, but it's possible that they these guys could get this and they could be so excited by what they find in that box. I know a dog would, having seen how dogs behave. If dog thieves got that package, they would think this is great. Yeah. The it only thing smells. You know what would've been better? A butt. Yes. Yeah, or maybe a gross dead bird we could roll around in. These are the three things we wanted for Christmas as dogs. Thanks, Eric. If only we could read this note. How to Do Everything is produced by Nadia Wilson with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Candace Mattel. And also another intern, Tobias. Thanks, Tobias. Get us your questions. Send them to us at howto@npr.org. Our website is howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks. Oh, hey, by the way, we're uh, we're taking off a little bit. couple weeks, no shows. Yeah. So listen to Serial or whatever normal people listen to. Mystery show. It's also good. Kirby, I, I don't want to put you on the spot uh, so you can say no to this, but you have uh, a really good hum. <laughs> so I'm thinking... We have at the end of the show we do our credits, uh-huh. and you know we play out with some music. Do you want to give us like thirty seconds and it just whatever song comes to you? Do you want to be our our closing credit music? Uh, sure. You you mean just sort of like freestyle hum that you guys can just kind of put below your uh, your your credits? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or if you know there's a song. In your, you know, in in your songbook that you want to, you want to hum, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me. um... Hey, now that we're done with this show, and like we said, we won't be doing shows for a couple more weeks. We want to tell you about another podcast, the TED Radio Hour. Uh, If you, for some reason, have not been able to get your fill of Star Wars-related things everywhere, the latest episode is called "The Hero's Journey." and it explores the hidden blueprint embedded within our most popular myths and stories, like, for instance, Star Wars. Find it at npr.org slash podcasts and on the NPR One app.